Government-funded education programs emphasize preparing students to be productive workers. Is that the real purpose of education? Today's guest says it is not. And can we create a new public school system in our churches? This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Thank you for this time to, to visit and worship with you. And I guarantee you that this is not uh, goodbye, this is just hello. Because I'm going to come back, and we're going to keep on worshiping together, and we're going to keep on building together, and we're going to keep on praising together. I am confident that we can create a kingdom right here on earth. Thank you very much, everybody. God bless you. All right, that's Senator Barack Hussein Obama. And we're going to listen to him later in the program. He talks about accepting Jesus Christ. And if you just heard him, he said we're going to build a kingdom right here on this earth. Is that what he means to do? And he's elected as president of the United States. And uh, other people claiming that they have found Jesus Christ, Ramsey Youssef, one of the masterminds behind the World Trade Center terrorist act, we're hearing now that he has come to faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that. And others like Ann Coulter, who is going to be on this program next week, talking about Jesus Christ on television. A lot of activity there, Penna. Well, also, Dr. Johnson, President Bush is encouraging Congress to re-up the No Child Left Behind education law. And speaking from the White House today, he says he's open to changes, but he won't allow it to be watered down. Every child must learn to read and do math at or above grade level. And there can be no compromise on the need to hold schools accountable. You know, we've really got to look at the question, what is education about? Is it about preparing students for the workforce, or is it about growing the mind and the soul? We're going to discuss the importance of an education steeped in the classics. Also, we're going to talk about the idea of a Christian public school. Is that possible? Is it legal? Is it too expensive? We're going to bring in a guest to talk about using our churches during the week as Christian schools. All right, we're going to talk about God in the public square. I mean, we have all kinds of sound today from politicians and pundits and uh, people on Capitol Hill. God in the culture, God in the public square. We're going to ask you to call at 800-881-9270. We're going to talk about this story at the Capitol. 
that is the architect of the Capitol, um, ruled today that from now on the word God may be inscribed on certificates accompanying flags that have flown over the U.S. Capitol. If you've heard about this controversy, uh, you might want to listen right now to Ohio Congressman Michael Turner. He's going to talk about how the controversy over the Capitol flag began, got started last week. An Eagle Scout from my community had requested a flag be flown over the Capitol in honor of his grandfather with the dedication and love of God, family, and country. The architect had censored the word God and returned a certificate that honored only his love and dedication to family and country. Okay, and then uh, Congressman Turner goes on to say how the architect at that point defended that decision. Religious expressions, the word God, would not be permitted. Okay, so the architect of the Capitol was essentially saying the word God should not, could not be included in these flags uh, as they're sent out to people and uh, there was official certificate and so forth. Many of you have seen these kinds of flags, but there was a public outcry. And uh, now the congressman is saying, hey, the policy's been reserved, uh, reversed, reversed, and uh, I'm glad. These types of religious expressions were at risk if the architect's policies had begun to be instituted saying that an acknowledgment of God or an expression of God was prohibited. Okay, I had a conversation with somebody today about uh, church and state, God in the public square. We want to know what you think about this story and this development. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Do you think there is a, an editing God out of the public square movement in America? And uh, it's not just at Capitol Hill. It's, it's all over the place. And at the same time, politicians invoking God, invoking God uh, as part of their political speech. And uh, is this um, w- accepted, though, on one side of the aisle and not the other? That is, if conservative, pro-life, pro-traditional marriage candidates speak in churches, how do people respond well, they'll say immediately. That violates the separation of church and state. We've got to remove your tax-exempt status but immediately. But pro-choice, pro-homosexual marriage candidates, liberal candidates speak in churches, talk about Jesus in churches, well, oh, they're reaching out to the faith community. Now, let's go back to Barack Hussein Obama. Senator Barack Obama, speaking the church, gets very explicit about his faith. Here's Barack Obama. What I discovered is God works in mysterious ways because I thought that I was helping other people, but it turned out they were helping me. I thought that I was coming to to save a community, but in fact, I was the one who was being saved because through that work, through that ministry, through that interaction with the church, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. All right, that's Barack Obama saying he has accepted Jesus Christ into his life. And I've got to say, I'm glad to hear politicians say the word Jesus Christ to give public testimony. Jimmy Carter was the first American politicians to say, really, I'm, I was born again. I'm a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that kind of talk is a very good thing. We want to know what you think about it, 800-881-9270. But I've got a deeper question, and that is this. That is... Um, what kind of an impact does that have on policy, on the way you govern, on your positions? 
And uh, Barack Obama was asked about the role that faith plays. And by the way, this is a very different kind of answer than Mitt Romney is giving right now. It's very interesting to me. Here's Barack Obama. These days when people ask me, what role does religion play in your work? You're, you're running for the presidency of the United States, the, the leader of the free world. What, what role does faith play? I say it plays every role. It's my, it, it's what keeps me grounded. It, it, what, it's what keeps my eyes set on the, the greatest of heights. It, it's, it's what propels me to do what I do, and when I get down, it's what lifts me up. Now, what do you think about this? Is this sincere? He says, all right, I've accepted Jesus Christ into my life, and furthermore, when I'm asked what role faith plays, he said it plays Every role, every role. Really, does it play every role? Does it play a role in the way he views marriage between a man and a woman? Does it play a role in the way that he views the sanctity of human life, particularly unborn human life? And are we going to protect human life created in God's image? I want to know what you think about this. 800-881-9270. Is this sincere talk? Is it doublespeak? Uh, is it, by, by the way, something that liberals can do Democrats can do, that is, go into a church with music playing in the background, talk about Jesus, talk about the role of faith in their life. It plays every role in the way I want to govern the country, in the way I view politics. And uh, Republican candidates or conservative candidates or pro-life candidates, if they went to a church and music was playing in the background and they talked about Jesus and they said it plays every role— uh, how would this country react? The number is 800-881-9270. Is the media playing softball with these liberal candidates that want to talk about Jesus at the same time? We've got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, thank you for calling. What's your view? Yeah, my view on uh, the Democrats, especially Barack Obama, he's a good stand-up comedian. And uh, about Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter came into uh, the presidency saying about him being a uh, a good, you know, Christian. Yes, he was a Christian, but when it came up to policy making, he was all against Israel, and uh, we even see him now saying, uh, standing up for Palestine and uh, uh, being uh, uh, all against Israel. Thank you, Bob, so much. You know, there's an important memo today from Mark DeMoss. He used to work, used to work for Jerry Falwell, mm -hmm. and he's endorsing Mitt Romney. And Mark DeMoss is an evangelical Christian. He says, look, I'm not backing uh, Romney uh, because of his doctrine or theology. I'm backing him for his values. And he essentially is saying, look, he's not an evangelical Christian, but he has the right values. And I'm, I'm supporting him because of his values. I thought that was a very interesting uh, argument that DeMoss is making. And, um, of course, there are other pro-life candidates in the race as well. I think that uh, these Democrat candidates who are trying to speak to uh, people of faith the way Barack Obama is have it wrong. They don't understand the true evangelical. The true evangelical doesn't want a pastor-in-chief in the White House. Uh, they want someone who's going to hold positions that are biblical positions. Now, Barack Obama says that he's for the poor. He wants to basically give the money of some of the people to other people. He thinks that's biblical. But his position on the sanctity of human life, on homosexuality and other sins that are delineated in the Bible, is not biblical. So, in a sense, he's co-opting Christianity to try to get votes. I think it's very clear. All right, we've got Michael on the line from Dallas. Michael, what's your view? Hi, how you doing? Doing great. What do you think? <laughs> you ain't going to believe this. 
Well, Obama, you know, the politicians say anything to get elected. You know what I mean? Yes. First he said he accepted Jesus into his life, but he didn't say he accepted him as the Lord of his life. Hmm. You know, they say anything to get elected, you know? That's just the way it is. But what's going to really happen, though, is when everybody backing, not backing either the Democrats or the Republicans, they're going to come up with another candidate. You know, the focus on family, uh, James Dawson, they're already talking about that. And what they're going to do is what they don't realize is they're actually going to put Hillary in there because they're going to pull away the votes that the Republicans are going to need to win the vote, and they're going to put Hillary in there whether they like it or not. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Michael. We've been talking about that for the last two weeks on this program, and that scenario could play out Mm -hmm. if conservative evangelicals don't unite around some pro-life candidate along with other kinds of conservatives. We've got Rob on the line from Dallas. Rob, thank you for calling. What's your view? Yeah, my view is, is I, I have to say that I do believe in what he's saying, because being a Christian man, fearing God himself, the last thing that I, as a Christian man, would want to do is pass judgment, yes. which is only yes. God's authoritative uh, means of doing is to pass judgment on anybody. So if he utters the word that he has Christ in his heart yes. and in his life, then we should believe him, because there's people running for the candidacy that refuse to even say that. Okay, let me ask you this, Rob, because I'm agreeing so far with you. That is, when a man gets up and says, I've received Christ into my life, or I've accepted Christ in my life in a public forum, our default position should be to always believe it, and to embrace that, and to encourage that. But here's a second question I have for you. Do you believe when, when he says it plays every role in my life, and do you believe that he is really then from the lordship of Christ, um, that he is taking a biblical position on the value of human life or on the sanctity of your marriage? What do you think about that? Oh, well, what I think about that is very easy to answer. If he has confessed that it plays every role in his life and he is not telling the truth, then once again we go back to what I just said. He will have to face God. He will have to face Christ on Judgment Day. And it's going to be written in the book what he has said that is of truth and of lies. So once again, as a Christian man, for me to be in good life in, within God and within God in, in, in Christ's eyes, I would have to believe him because, once again, I'm afraid to pass judgment. All right, Rob, we're out of time. We have got to go. Thanks for those thoughts and that insight. We've got Ricky holding on the line. I hope to come back to Ricky after the break. We're going to hear from Tony Perkins as well later in the program about the Value Voter Summit, who agreed to come and who didn't. It's very telling. And when we come back, we're going to talk about No Child Left Behind and uh, President Bush, education, private school, homeschool. What's the best solution for Christian families? If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, we've been talking about the Republicans and the Democrats and a lot of God talk in the presidential campaign. Tony Perkins is president of the Family Research Council, and he'll be hosting the Value Voter Summit coming up here in the next few weeks. And he has invited all of the Republicans and all of the Democrats. All of the Republicans have agreed to come, but the Democrats so far are no-shows. Here's Tony Perkins. It confirms kind of the suspicion that many had that the, the faith talk that we've been hearing from Democratic candidates is just that. It's talk. Okay, he's really talking about Hillary Clinton, John Edwards, and Barack Obama, because they've been doing a lot of God talk. We've still got a caller on the line on this topic, Ricky from Mansfield. Thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Ricky, are you there? Well, I think Ricky is off the line, but we're going to continue to follow the story, Penna. I think it's a fascinating development, and later on the program we'll talk about uh, some some high-powered discussion about faith uh, on uh, on television <laughs> from Ann Coulter, and also this uh, high-profile conversion of a Muslim terrorist in the maximum security prison out in Colorado. We mentioned a little bit earlier in the program that President Bush wants Congress to reauthorize his education bill, No Child Left Behind. Here he is speaking from the White House. Every child must learn to read and do math at or above grade level. And there can be no compromise on the need to hold schools accountable. Uh, he went on to say that Congress needs to renew No Child Left Behind because it's really working to narrow the achievement gap between whites and minorities. No Child Left Behind is helping replace a culture of low expectations with a commitment to high achievement for all. Mark Morial, who is president of the National Urban League, uh, says that closing that achievement gap is crucial to America's economic future. The objective here is to have the best trained American workforce so that we can compete with the Chinas, we can compete with the Indias. So all of us have a vested interest in that. He brings up a point that we need to talk about today because ever since Goals 2000 was put in place under the first President Bush, the government role in education has grown. We've had school to work, we've had the careers bill, now we've got no child left behind, and this is all government dollars going into education, creating a workforce. That is the goal. Now, is that the purpose of education, or is there more? Well, our next guest has an opinion on that, and his name is Richard Gamble. He is a professor of history and political science at Hillsdale College in Michigan. He has an anthology out called The Great Tradition, Classic Readings on What It Means to Be an Educated Human Being. Dr. Gamble, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure to be here. When we look at the goal of education, I think in this country it's come more and more toward training a workforce, getting workers to fill these jobs that, uh, that exist in the country. But is that really the goal of education? My heart sinks when I hear phrases like that, as in the clip that you just played. Of course, education is partly about getting us ready for careers and to be uh, productive parts of our community, but to reduce education to merely that sort of training and skill is uh, to impoverish what education has meant over, over the centuries. And the great tradition 
uh, as an edited book is my attempt to widen the conversation once again and to reconnect people with a much richer heritage of wisdom that takes this broader and deeper view of education. I've noticed many Christian parents are, uh, and homeschooling parents, are going back to an emphasis on the classics. Uh, they're seeing that their children are missing out. They're being shortchanged by our public education system and this real emphasis on sort of a practicality. So is that what sort of uh, motivated you to create this anthology? In part, it did. But, you know, I am just now beginning to uh, learn about the classical school movement. And uh, every year that goes by, I see more and more homeschooled kids in my classroom uh, at the college level. The real impulse for this anthology came out of my own experience as a classroom teacher for nearly 20 years now on the college level. And I saw the benefits of introducing my own students to some of this ancient wisdom, to what Plato, Aristotle, Cicero, what the Church Fathers, uh, what individuals all the way down into the 20th century have had to say about education. But I I certainly uh, am excited about the results I see from classical education, from homeschooling, uh, from private schooling, and uh, from some of the charter schools, I've, I've just seen results that give me hope. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Richard Gamble. He's professor of history and political science at Hillsdale College. Dr. Gamble, uh, years ago, Alan Bloom wrote that book, The Closing of the American Mind. We've also seen books like Illiberal Education. Um, isn't the propaganda or the, the PR story that we hear from most colleges and universities that uh, we're open, uh, all ideas are on the table, uh, we have a, uh, an open mind about everything. But uh, in fact, uh, when you talk about the great tradition, the great books, or the history of uh, Western civilization, uh, hasn't modern American education pretty much expunged, or isn't it ignoring, I mean, great segments of uh, the great tradition and great segments of of western the western canon so to speak yes it certainly is and i had this demonstrated to me just a few days ago i was on a speaking tour in north carolina and i was talking with a woman who had just completed a study of the colleges and universities in that state and she discovered that only half of those colleges required their english majors to take a course in shakespeare Wow. So he's optional, uh, the greatest practitioner, uh, master of the English language, and he is optional for those majoring in English. And that's just one indication of the problem out there. Uh, it's it's sad to hear that. And they're probably required to take some, yes, <laughs> some silly I, courses like uh, underwater basket weaving. Or yes, <laughs> uh, that would be that would be a safe bet. Well, let me ask you this: I know you coach debate. I think up at Hillsdale. No, Are, no, sir, I don't. Not. Uh, well, but you're in political science. That's the idea I'm thinking about here. I'm in I, a department, yes, that combines I, history. I'd like science. to get your take on the debate, uh, the Republican debate this week. Uh, what, what's your view of, of what's happening in the uh, the Republican field and with that debate, actually? I, you know, I am sorry. I have been on the road oh, really? uh, in the launch of this book, and uh, I have been going from college to college, and 
I am not current on my politics this week. Well, that's all right. We've been talking about it. I thought I'd just give it a try. Sure. You know, let me ask you, Dr. Gamble, um, when Christian parents look at, for instance, maybe obtaining a copy of your book, which is uh, The Great Tradition, classic readings on what it means to be an educated human being, why would they want something like that? Why would they think that would be important for their children? I think this is particularly critical for parents who may be planning to homeschool their children. Uh, It's important to others as well, but it's an opportunity for them to become part of a very long conversation that has stretched over hundreds and hundreds of years. I, I, I hope it is a way for concerned parents to realize that they are not alone and that they have history on their side. It is those who are destroying education who ought to be on the defensive. We ought to be carrying the argument into the field, carrying it to those who would uh, destroy our education by reducing it to merely job training. And I think this anthology, it's long. Uh, These are sometimes challenging works, but an immersion in this conversation will be extremely helpful to parents, to teachers, to high school students, uh, even to administrators who want to be part of this uh, much wider conversation. It will equip them, I think, to make better arguments on behalf of classical education. Dr. Gamble, you mentioned Shakespeare a moment ago. Could you uh, also reach back and give us two or three of your other favorites and why you think they're important? Absolutely. One of my favorites is Cicero, uh, the first century B.C. statesman and uh, enemy of Julius Caesar. Cicero wrote a wonderful book, many wonderful books, but one critically important called On Duties. And books like this help uh, form the mind, form the judgment uh, of our young people. He's a favorite of mine. Also, uh, a modern like C.S. Lewis is certainly a favorite. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have included the whole book, uh, The Abolition of Man, in this volume. Oh, wow. uh, that is a starting point for anyone concerned about the crisis in education. Mm-hmm. Uh, another favorite would have to be uh, Augustine or Augustine from uh, the 300s and 400s A.D., a monumental figure in uh, the formation of Christian education, and one who points us to the need that our character matters. We need to approach education with uh, humility and gratitude. So these are some of the some of my favorites for sure. All right, Dr. Richard Gamble, Professor of History and Political Science at Hillsdale. Thank you for being with us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. All right, C.S. Lewis, The Abolition of Man. He talked about men without chest. He talked about this kind of uh, utilitarian education. Uh, It's just about training people for the job force not to be better human beings, not to practice virtue. Uh, It's education really without values. And look, if you take God out of the schools, if you take religion out of the school, if you take absolutes out of the school, what do you have? Well, all you have left is, um, you know, just the... um, practical job skills. And Lewis talks about these men without chest. He says we castrate these men and then we ask them to go out there and be fruitful. And we expect them to be leaders and we expect them to invent and to do and to be men of courage. And we're not really equipping them with that kind of value-less education. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about Christians in churches 
church schools, Christian schools, and we'll talk a little bit about home schools and an opportunity for you to be equipped right here in the Dallas metro area in the next few days. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter, also Ann Coulter on Jesus Christ. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. He's a a militant who avoided any service of his own in the military. All right, that's former President Jimmy Carter speaking to Wolf Blitzer last night on CNN. And he's talking about the vice president of the United States. He's talking about Dick Cheney. And he says he's a militant that never served in the military. And we've been talking about born-again politicians. God talked from the politicians. And Barack Obama saying that he has received Jesus Christ and he's going to build a kingdom on this earth and that religion has every role uh, in his life and in his politics. And yet, he's not standing up for biblical marriage. He's not standing up for the unborn in the sanctity of human life. What do we make of this? Jimmy Carter was the born-again president. Here's Jimmy Carter about the war on terror and about us extracting information from the terrorist and particularly about President Bush. I don't, uh, I don't think it. I know it. Certainly. So is the president lying? The president is self-defining what we have done and authorized in the torture of prisons, yes. Okay, so Jimmy Carter standing against President Bush and uh, whether or not we are torturing uh, the terrorist. What is the role of government? What is the God-ordained role of government? Is it to wield the sword against the evildoers? Uh, Should Christians be opposed to torture? We're going to talk about this in a few minutes, but particularly how all of this God talk of the politicians does or does not result really in uh, a change in the way they think politically about the issues. And so it's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to draw upon the Christian worldview as you think about terror, as you think about human life, as you think about marriage. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. You know, Jimmy Carter, the born-again president, never really met a terrorist uh, dictator that he didn't love and uh, want to be friends (laughs) with and uh, go to their country and criticize America with. Well, next up, uh, our guest uh, coming up here on the program worries that Christian kids are not learning a Christian worldview. And that's very true. Most of them are in the public school. Uh, how do we change that? Is it homeschooling? Is it more Christian schools? Uh, is our church really falling down on the job, or is this the parents' responsibility? Well, Ed Gamble is with us. He's executive director of the Southern Baptist Association of Christian Schools. Ed, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Ed, uh, what is the answer here? Is it all of the above? Uh, I think, in a sense, our Christian uh, churches around the country are being underused. Do you? Yes, absolutely. We have just in the Southern Baptists, which are which is the largest Protestant denomination in the country. We have forty three thousand churches across the country, sixteen point three million uh, Southern Baptists, and uh, only about less than two percent of those churches are being used to have Christian schools. So, in essence, the other ninety eight percent or so are basically vacant uh, from Monday through Friday with the exception of a few activities. So here's all this facility and all this capacity to, uh, to educate, and it's, it's dormant most of the week. Once a year we have VBS, and once a week we have Sunday school or youth ministry, and then 
uh, Wednesday night services and so on. But the rest of the time it's empty, and it could be educating children. Now, been in on these uh, talks in churches about starting a school. Uh, it's not uh, easy. I mean, there's a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, it's you know what? Tell me all the things that are worth doing that are easy. You know, I, I don't know that there's that many. Um, you know, coming to Earth and being the sacrifice for mankind wasn't easy, but God decided it needed to be done, and He did it. Building the church is not easy, mm-hmm. but it's the thing that we need to be doing. And Scripture makes it plain that that parents are the are the people that are responsible for the education of their children, and that the result is godly adults. God's God's prescribed the process, He's prescribed the end result, and He's prescribed the people who are responsible. Parents are responsible. The process is to be biblically oriented. Teach these things to your children, and the end result is, I want godly offspring. Now, you know, you can't look at today's process, which commits 90% of our children to a secular education, and a result, which results in 70% of born-again Christians that don't mention leading their children to Christ in a list of parent critical parent outcomes, or the fact that uh, it's been 20 years since Southern Baptists baptized 100,000 youth or children, and a steady decline uh, of 20,000 in the last 20 years. So we're, we're a denomination in decline, and other evangelical denominations uh, echo that. And the reason is because a kid spends 16,000 hours in school, from kindergarten to 12th grade, and if that 16,000 hours is secular, and for 90% of our kids it is, how does 1,600 hours in church um, counteract that because there isn't much going on at home, not according to pastors. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. You might want to call about public school, homeschool, Christian schools. And our guest today is Ed Gamble. He's executive director of the Southern Baptist Association of Christian Schools. And I might mention, Ed, that you're hosting a major conference at First Baptist Church Dallas this next Monday and Tuesday, October 15 and 16. And our folks can find out about this conference by going to sbacs.org. That's sbacs.org. And you're going to talk about Christian School 101 why and how to start a Christian school. But I've got a, a deeper question for you here, Ed. Right. It seems to me, if we look at the history of education in general, that uh, it's sort of like the history of hospitals. That is, that education and hospitals, for that matter, were, were started by, in the Western sense, Christians. And that Absolutely. is that Christians were driving education, the whole idea of schools and structured education for for everyone, that Christians were all about that. And it seems to me that in America, uh, Christians, evangelicals have accepted the idea that it's proper to have a Christian college. It's proper to have a Christian university. It's proper to have a Christian seminary. We've accepted the notion that uh, there are secular universities and there are Christian colleges. There are secular graduate schools and Christian graduate schools. But it seems to me there's still a little bit of resistance, or maybe a lot of resistance, particularly uh, among folks who have their children in public schools, that there is a legitimate option, a preferred option, for K-12 Christian education. Why is the Church hesitant to accept that notion? I think there's several reasons. First of all, we've bought, um, we've bought and been deceived by the enemy, by Satan, 
into thinking that there's any such thing as an education that's secular. Nothing in Scripture is secular. I mean, I, I can't believe that Jesus would have bought the idea that, that a person could separate their life into two compartments, one that says, this belongs to me, and this you can have, Jesus. I, I can't believe that a, that a husband uh, could come home and tell his wife that she can have all of his money except that he has a little <laughs> private account over here he's going to maintain, and uh, or a wife saying, you can have all my affection except for some of it, and I'm going to give that to some other fellow. I can't believe that that we that we could convince God that anything is secular. But once we are convinced that education can be secular, then we put it on a separate plate and we pretend that a child can be educated secularly and that it not have any impact on what he becomes and what he believes and what he does. And it's not true. All the statistics, all the Barna research and the Lifeway research and the and the other people that are doing research on youth and their behavior and their choices tells you that it's not true. We're losing but, the this generation. We are. We've lost them. We've lost them. When when 70% of the last generation or so of parents, when asked by George Barna, what are the most important outcomes of your parenting, 70% did not mention leading their children to faith in Christ. Wow. Now, you know, what's the next generation going to look like? And the answer is we got to take ownership of educating our own kids. And we have the churches, we have the teachers, we have a lot of the things already in place, and, uh, but we resist because we, we feel like we ought to stay and be salt and light in the secular school system. And I, I agree with that in one sense. We need adults to stay and be salt and light. But children don't survive well in that environment, and they don't come out with their faith intact, or at least a large percentage of them don't. A few do. Um, and so we keep putting our children into harm's way, and they come out with a secular worldview upon which they live and act, and we wonder why. All right, Ed, you're going to be hosting a conference next week. It's called Christian School 101. It's going to be hosted at First Baptist Church Dallas on Monday and Tuesday, October 15 and 16. We have a great Christian academy there, First Baptist Academy. You're going to be talking about how and why to start a Christian school. I'm going to direct people to go to your website sbacs.org. That's sbacs.org if you're interested. Ed, uh, we're going to go now, but I want to thank you, and I want to encourage folks to check out this conference next week. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. All right. We've got callers on the line. Laura has called from Dallas. Laura, thank you so much for calling and holding. Uh, What's your view on this? Yeah. um, I was homeschooled pretty much my whole um, time that I was in school, and um, I'm about to go to college now, and I just wanted to say that um, homeschooling is, has been a lifestyle for me and, you know, not just something that you throw your kid into for education purposes. And um, it's really formulated my worldview as a Christian, and um, I just wanted to say a good word for homeschoolers there. So. Hey, Laura, let me ask you this question. Sure. Did, did you feel like uh, in going to college, and we only got about 30 seconds, are you prepared is the college uh, open to you being a homeschooler? I think so, actually, and I think that's a surprising thing for most people. They don't know that, that homeschoolers are well-received in public schools and um, and institutions, uh, Christian institutions like seminaries and things. They, they really um, think that highly of homeschoolers because they uh, do so well and, and are so focused and dedicated in their studies. So. Thanks, Laura, for calling so much. 
And uh, we have seen that here at Criswell College. Some of our best students are homeschool students. They're self-motivated. They know how to do that homework on their own time and how to get it done. And um, they've got a great foundation. When we come back, Ann Coulter talking about Jews uh, needing to be completed through Jesus. We'll talk about it when we come back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. What I discovered is God works in mysterious ways. Because I thought that I was helping other people, but it turned out they were helping me. I thought that I was coming to to save a community, but in fact, I was the one who was being saved. Because through that work, through that ministry, through that interaction with the church, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. All right, that's Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama. He had an... Islamic upbringing, and he has claimed previously uh, to be converted to Christianity, and he's a member of a church. And here he said just this week again that he has accepted Jesus Christ. And I want to say, Penna, I'm encouraged by that kind of talk and language uh, that politicians feel like they can say that. But one of the things we've been talking about today is the fact that Jimmy Carter made these sorts of statements and was really the first American politician to do so. Uh, Bill Clinton and Al Gore. In fact, they were all Southern Baptist. But, in fact, in their governing, did not seem to bring the Christian worldview to bear in the way that they governed. And so they all supported abortion on demand. They did not stand up for the biblical view of the sanctity of human life. And they have not stood up for marriage. And they've been more and more accepting of the legitimization, really, of homosexual so-called marriage. And um, so uh, I think this is confusing, probably, a lot of Americans and what it means to think Christianly about uh, our world and about our culture. I think this is all very instructive for this election coming up because we have to remember we're not uh, really looking for a utopia or a heaven on earth. That would be nice, but we're not going to have that. We ne- we're looking for people who will advance the positions that align with our positions. And as Christians, our positions uh, line up along with the Bible. Now, Barack Obama uh, accepted Christ, I believe, when he was working in Chicago in the urban areas uh, with uh, poor people. And I'm sure that he 
was playing out and living out his faith doing that. But his other positions on the homosexual lifestyle, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage do not line up with the Bible. So I think that's where we as Christians, as we look at candidates, as we work for candidates and talk about candidates in these elections, we have to look at their positions on things. That's what's important. That's sort of how you clarify the matter. All right. We've got caller on the line, Scott from Keller. Thank you for calling, Scott. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I, uh, with, with regard to Barack Obama and uh, folks like Ann Coulter claiming themselves to be Christians, I think the best way that we can determine whether or not the words that they say are true, even though we don't want to pass judgment on their hearts, is to see if they line up with uh, the, uh, and, uh, and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, uh, which we are taught in, in, in Galatians. And, uh, and I also wonder, and maybe you can comment on this, uh, as I'd be interested to hear your take, if we, in, in our zeal to, to see uh, God back into America, uh, have not, to a certain degree, encouraged these politicians to try to pander to us as a, uh, as a, as a people segment. Thank you. Hey, Scott, I think that's an excellent question. And yes, I think um, the so-called religious right or the moral majority— or uh, focus on the family, or um, Family Research Council. All of these groups being active in politics uh, has caused, I think, a good number of politicians to try to get the so-called faith vote. But uh, here's the problem. They don't get it. They think we want to hear them say something about Jesus. Well, we've got pastors and evangelists and missionaries to do that. We don't want to elect a pastor. What what um, they want to just talk about faith and prayer and even Jesus again, but uh, we are more interested in um, the moral positions that these politicians would hold. And again, I've mentioned a longtime conservative evangelical activist Mark DeMoss writing a memo to evangelicals on town hall this week. Now, he happens to be supporting Romney, but I thought this was very interesting. And I'm going to read just a bit of this. He said this. Uh, you know, how could I support a Mormon for president? He says, well, I have concerns myself with this. But I concluded that I'm more concerned that a candidate shares my values than he shares my theology. And he goes on to say, if theology was the most important thing, he would be voting for Huckabee because he's a Southern Baptist. But he happens to believe that Romney has more experience, will be better on security. And he he talks about this a very long letter that he wrote. I'm not going to read all of it. But his main point was this, that he's more concerned that the candidate share the same values. And I've got to say in my own, this is my personal view, speaking as a Southern Baptist, that some of the worst politicians we've had have been Southern Baptists, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, and uh, Al Gore, because Mm -hmm. they did not stand up for the biblical worldview. I'd rather had a Presbyterian or an Episcopalian or even a Catholic that would stand up for the sanctity of human life and to stand up for marriage. So we're going to continue to cover this theme and this topic, and I think it's going to get a lot of discussion. And I want to move quickly to Ann Coulter, actually, if you will, Jim. Ann Coulter was speaking um, on uh, television. Mm -hmm. CNBC. I think it was last night. Yes. And uh, here she is talking about Jews and Christians, and the the host of the show was very... uh, offended that she well, would he's say, Jewish. he's Jewish, that uh, 
Christians are somehow completed or perfected Jews. Here's Ann Coulter. No, I'm sorry. It is not intended to be. I don't think you should take it that way. But that is what Christians consider themselves, perfected Jews. We believe the Old Testament. Um, as you know from the Old Testament, God was constantly getting fed up with humans for not being able to you know, live up to, to all of the laws. What Christians believe, this is just a statement of what the New Testament is, is that that's why Christ came and died for our sins. What do you think of that, Penna? It's going to be a great interview in a week. We are going to interview here next Thursday on the 18th. And, uh, you know, I've got to say, I wouldn't put it quite the way she did. And certainly we have theological professors here who wouldn't use quite the same words she did. But uh, we would probably use the word completed rather than perfective. And, of course, you have to look at the whole interview. Her host was a Jewish person, and she was saying, look, uh, you need to be perfected. You need to believe in Jesus. And I think we would use the word completed, perhaps, is a better word than perfective. But I think when she said, look, we're all sinners, and Christ died for our sins on the cross. And she talked about the law in the Old Testament, that we've never been able to live up to the law. That is the sin problem. That is the human problem. And uh, it's interesting to me, whether it's Ann Coulter or Barack Hussein Obama, we have now Ramsey Youssef, this story breaking. We're going to follow this story up. He's at the Supermax facility in Florence, Colorado. And we're reading today that he has converted from Islam to Christianity. You know, we talked about Islam last week and that we had some heated discussions. But the fact is this. This is the great message of Christianity. No matter what you're born and raised as, uh, Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, you can be changed. You can be saved. Alcoholic, a drug addict, you can be saved. You can be changed. You can be forgiven. Christ died for our sins on the cross. He rose again, and he has the power to forgive us and to change us. Look to Jesus. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.